Good morning. Today's reading is from Mark 15, and it's 1 through to 15. Jesus before Pilate. Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of? But Jesus still made no reply and Pilate was amazed. Now it was the custom of the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews, asked Pilate, knowing it was out of self-interest that the the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews, Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Thank you, Margaret. This week I, uh, I was reflecting on the Mark series and I realised it's coming to an end uh, next weekend and I got a bit sad. I've really enjoyed uh, preaching through Mark, I have to say. It's been nice to sit uh, just slowly over the last almost year and, uh, but it's coming to an end and it's not coming to a very happy end. Uh, it's been a, a few weeks of quite uh, sadness really as we reflect on what's been happening to Jesus but You know, we know that Sunday is coming. Uh, We know that the resurrection is around the corner. So as we consider these passages, always keep that uh, in your mind. Uh, Let me pray and we'll have a closer look uh, at this passage. Father God, uh, we do thank you that uh, you are here with us. Uh, Father, thank you that uh, you have blessed us with uh, the Holy Spirit to guide us, uh, to comfort us, uh, to convict us. Uh, and to lead us into all righteousness. And Lord, as we open up this passage, as we see uh, your son uh, handed over to uh, the Gentile leader, Pilate, uh, and condemned after being acquitted, Father, I pray that you will help us to understand uh, what is happening in this passage and that you'll convict us of the changes we may need to make to our life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think one of the cruelest things that happened uh, in my childhood was when you had to pick teams for sport. Uh, I think it was the hardest thing for most kids to go through. Uh, I don't know, you're on the playground and two leaders get chosen and they stand there and all the kids line up and then they go, I will have him. I will have him. I will have him. Now, fortunately, I was relatively coordinated and I could play sports, so I was never that last one. 
I want to ask who was that last one, if anyone's willing to tell me. But yeah, there's a few people who were that last one. And I tell you, I think in reflection on my childhood, that must be one of the cruelest uh, episodes that you could go through if you were the last one. Knowing that there was a clear choice and that you got chosen last. Now, I imagine that that came with a lot of shame. It came with a lot of uh, feeling of, uh, uh, of downcast uh, and, and self-worth issues. Uh, but really, the choosing of people as you go down that line to get to the last one uh, is very uh, cruel, I think, in, indeed. Uh, and in many respects this morning, we are encountered with a choice. And uh, we see a clear choice being made even after Jesus uh, has been put to Pilate and there is a great option for them to still choose him, uh, they choose another. And if you remember right through the Gospel of Mark, in many respects, this choice has been at the heart of everything. Uh, it goes right back to the beginning as people encounter Jesus and they have to make a choice whether they will follow him or whether they will turn their backs and uh, effectively uh, leave him. And uh, in, many, in many ways, all these uh, situations have now been uh, highlighted in what we've got this morning. And so with that will come shame and in many respects this choice, everything that's happening today uh, surrounds this idea of shaming uh, Jesus uh, under the guise of uh, the rulers of both the Israelites and the Gentiles. Well, I want you to think back uh, to last week uh, in, as Jesus was arrested. He was taken before the Sanhedrin, the Israelite rulers. Uh, he was unjustly put on trial. Uh, he was unjustly uh, convicted uh, when there really was no charge to answer for. Uh, all he said was what he truly is. He is the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One. Uh, and they delivered him uh, into, well, they condemned him. And at the end of chapter 14, we are told this. Uh, well, not the end of chapter 14, but uh, in, in verses 63, uh, the high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fist and said, prophesy, and the guards took him and beat him. You see, this is the night, the morning of, really, the morning of his crucifixion. Uh, these 24 hours, Jesus hasn't slept, he's been beaten uh, by his own people, he's been blindfolded, spat upon. And now we're told at the beginning of chapter 15, very early in the morning and the reason for that is it was a custom of Pilate uh, at the beginning of each day or the beginning of days to hear, uh, hear any uh, judgments that he needs to make. Uh, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. They needed to figure out what they were going to bring uh, before uh, uh, Pilate so that they could have Jesus crucified so they bound him like he was a prisoner, bound him like he was an insurrectionist, bound him like he was a murderer, bound him like he was someone who was 
who was going to uh, be dangerous. Uh, but why is that? Well, to shame him. They led him away and they handed him over to Pilate. So far he's been shamed by having been spat upon, beaten, uh, and now he's bound and dragged and delivered over to Pilate. And this is the first thing in our passage we have to notice. The Israelite nation is delivering their Messiah over to the Gentile nation. And it's uh, Pontius Pilate uh, that is delivered. And if for those of us, like as good Baptists, we sit here going, well, we're non-creedal. The Bible is our creed. I don't know if you've ever heard that. We don't like creeds. Well, Baptists often say that. The Bible is our creed. I love how they say that because that is a creed. Um, but anyway, um, but in, that, in, the, in one of the creeds, and many of you would have recited it, and we often sing uh, the Apostles' Creed in the church. You might not even realize we've been singing it. Uh, but there are only two people apart from the triune God who are ever mentioned uh, in that creed, and that is Mary, the mother of uh, Jesus, and Pontius Pilate, because under Pontius Pilate, Jesus suffered. And here he is, he's been dragged before and delivered over to Pontius Pilate. And that's significant because Pontius Pilate was, uh, well, there's conflicting reports about him, but he was a cruel leader. In fact, he'd been, he was a leader over the Palestinian area, the, the Israelites, for uh, 11 years, uh, when everyone else seemed to be about three years. So under the Roman way, what they would do is go in and conquer a nation uh, and they would put what they called a prefect over uh, that area or that nation. And that prefect would effectively be able to uh, exercise the rule of Rome. Now, the least... Uh, wanted prefecture was over the Israelites because they were a difficult mob. They would not succumb to worshipping any other gods. And so no one wanted this, this position. Um, it's like even if in the police force, you can go out into the country, into an area you don't want to be. So for three years, you can serve there so you can get the area of your choice. This was this what was going on here. But but Pilate was there for 11 years. And that's not because he was good, that's because he was inept. It's because he was cruel and eventually he was fired and never given a leadership job again because of the way he led. So as Jesus is put before this Pilate, um, he's, he's, he's put on trial and, and there was never going to be a justice because this man, he couldn't really care for life. He didn't care for life. He was indifferent to life. To be handed over to him uh, is, 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 is an act of cruelty in itself. But there's something bigger going on at the background. Uh, one of the things that the Old Testament tells us is the Messiah would be handed over to the Gentiles. And in fact, for an Israelite to be handed to the Gentiles was one of the worst uh, things that could happen to them. The Israelites were God's people. The Gentiles were not God's people. It was a shameful act to hand, to be handed over to the Gentiles. But the reason that this is happening is all because this is now about the atonement. 
In the Old Testament sacrificial system on the Day of Atonement, there were two goats. And the sins of Israel were placed upon one goat and it was sent out of the camp. It was sent into the Gentile land, into the wilderness, to symbolically show that the sin of Israel had been taken out of the nation and and been dealt with by handed over to the mercy of the Gentiles. And the other goat was then sacrificed and killed as the punishment for that sin. And here we have Jesus being handed over outside of the Israelite nation to the Gentiles and then he will be killed and crucified on the cross to fulfill that atonement once and for all for the people, not symbolically, but because he was the perfect unblemished lamb. You see, so by delivering him in this first uh, verse... There is something bigger in the fulfillment of the salvation history going on here. And then he gets examined by this Gentile leader, Pilate. And we're told, the Pilate says, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, Aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of? But Jesus still made no reply and Pilate was amazed. Like a sheep before his shearers is silent. As the prophet has said, the Messiah will be the suffering servant. And here we have it. Jesus barely answers See, the Romans didn't care about blasphemy because that was the charge that the Sanhedrin had uh, cast on Jesus. But they did care if someone claimed to be the king because the only king and the only god in the Roman Empire was uh, was Caesar. Uh, And so if you cast your mind back to Jesus' birth, the Magi come into Jerusalem when they see the star and they say, what, where is the king of the Jews being born? We want to worship him. And how does the leader, Herod, then respond to that? Well, he then kills all boys under the age of two to try to get rid of this one that is now being born, the king of the Jews. You see, at the heart of everything in Jesus' life was this claim upon him. And it was always going to end in death. But at his birth, that was not the appointed time of God. But here is the appointed time. And Jesus says, you have said so. He literally says, you are saying it. You are saying it. Now he has only ever put his hand up and said, "Uh, yes, uh, I am before the Sanhedrin. In every other way, we have had to come to this point of accepting Jesus as the Messiah. But being the Messiah is not really something that uh, Pilate would have cared about. He just wanted to know if he claimed to be a king. It didn't matter what king. Someone who was setting himself up against Caesar. And he has said, well, you have said so. Jesus hasn't even said... And then, But in John... He says this, he says, you have said so, but my kingdom is not of this world. 
See, the accusation is he's a king and he says, I am a king. But I am not a king as you think I am a king. I am not of this world. I am a heavenly king. I am the king of kings. I am the Lord of lords. You see, in this passage, what is coming out to us is not only that he is uh, the Messiah and that he is uh, the king of the Jews, but he's saying, I have a kingdom that goes beyond this world. And in fact, I am your king, Pilate. I am your king to the Israelites. I am the king of kings. See, the irony that's happening here is that he is like a sheep before his, uh, his shearers is silent. Is not just a man. It is the one who has appointed Pilate in this position, who has appointed every leader into their position that is now trying him. Where he is the judge of all the earth, he's now sitting under the judgment of those who he has appointed. There is a great irony going on here and there's a great reason for that. Because there is no other way for him to make atonement for the sin of the world. And so he's been delivered, he's been examined. And now, in many respects, he's acquitted. Let me just read from verses 6 to 15. Now, it was the custom at the festival, so this is the atonement festival that, that they're leading into, uh, to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in uh, prison and the, and with the insurrectionists who, was committed, who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priest had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? You see, Pilate is acquitting him. He's going, I've examined the man. I see nothing wrong with him. He is innocent and the reason he finds nothing wrong with him is because he is the unblemished lamb that is making atonement for the sin of the world. There is nothing against him. Even in the last trial before the Sanhedrin it was shown that there was nothing that he was saying or doing that could, be, uh, that, that could, be, that could condemn him. And so behind all this is this proclamation that Jesus is innocent, that he does not deserve the death that he is about to encounter. But after being delivered, examined and acquitted, he is condemned anyway. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What has he done? But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. You see, there are two people presented to the crowd and they have to make a choice. Jesus and Barabbas. 
Now, in Matthew's Gospel, he tells us that Barabbas' first name was also Jesus. Barabbas was his second name. So the two men that are presented here is Jesus the Galilean and Jesus Barabbas. Now, I want you to remember the claim that was made about Jesus in the Sanhedrin, which hasn't come up here. If you go back to verse 61, the claim and the accusation was, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Are you the Son of God? Are you the Son of the Father? And the force of Jesus' relationship with God was seen back in Gethsemane. Remember, as he, as, he, as he fell down to pray, what's the first word that we're told he prays? Abba, Father. It's a relational, it is, it's, a, it's a term of endearment. It's a term of deep affection, Abba. See, he's saying that, Abba, Father, if there's another way. See, presented here is not just Jesus the Galilean, but Jesus the Son of the Heavenly Father. Now, on the other side, we have Jesus Barabbas. Bar means son of. Abba means father. Barabbas. We have Jesus, the Son of the Heavenly Father, or Jesus, the Son of the Earthly Father, in this passage. This is the choice that is presented to them. Who will you choose, the murderer or the innocent one? The earthly person who will sit under your authority if he's released? Or the heavenly authority who you will have to submit under his authority if he's released. You see, what's going on in this passage is so much more than just two people making a choice. This all comes back to the authority that was right back to chapter 1. Do you remember the questions that kept coming is, by what authority does he drive out these demons? By what authority is he teaching? By what authority does he have to forgive sins of the paralytic man as he says, get up and take your mat and go home? By what authority? And the reality is there is only one authority and that is his, the authority that's been given to him by God the Father to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So he presented for committal are two men, one with an authority that will oversee and demand repentance and faith of every single person in that crowd if they release him. And the other man who, if he's released, is a murderer. And in fact, it got drawn out somewhat in that video. They will probably track him down and kill him anyway because he sits under their authority. So you've got the heavenly man and the earthly man, one that you can just say, I want this Jesus because I can then command and rule him. 
or I will have this Jesus, which will demand nothing less than take up your cross and follow me. See, Pilate only cares about holding on to his power and he's indifferent. What does he care about? Satisfying the crowd. It's about his power. Why are we told that, uh, that they have brought Jesus to Pilate? Well, the NIV says self-interest. It's envy. They could not stand the fact that people loved Jesus. They could not stand the fact that Jesus demanded that they submit to his authority. And so at the heart of the human is this desire to hold on to our power, our pride, our prestige and and our importance and all the things that we think matter in this world. And we will do everything to change this heavenly Jesus to this earthly Jesus. And we will do everything we can to say, I will control what Jesus is. And so we might accept Jesus, but we might go, yeah, but he actually is this. He's just a man. Oh, he's a good teacher. Oh, he, is, he was a lovely person who did some good things in the world. No, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the one that demands nothing more than you to submit to his authority, to recognize that he is the king of your life and to set yourself below him, not above him, and to follow him. And that is why he's condemned. Because in the end, he demanded more than just to walk with him, but to worship him, but to submit to his authority and to Take up your cross and follow him. See what Jesus are you willing to submit to? The one that in fact you're not submitting but you're looking over the top of and sort of moulding him into what you want him to be so that he's a bit more comfortable for you? Or the one that is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords And that you have to say, not just brother, friend, but master. That's hard. Because that demands your whole of life is reorientated to him. That is repentance. And that means your whole life needs to follow him no matter where he leads you. Well, that's called faith. Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. Well, the soldiers led Jesus away into the palace that is the praetorium and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him, and when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. See, this is about shame. It's trying to shame the one and humiliate the one that demands you to be humbled. 
Have you humbled yourself? Or are you, in fact, ashamed to be one of his? So I want to encourage each of us as we lead into Easter to recognise that he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, but he endured shame. But he is not ashamed of the Father. He is not ashamed of you. He is not ashamed of the reality that's going on. In fact, as he hangs, hangs on that cross, he says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. That is our Lord. That is our Messiah. That is the Son of the Blessed One. That is the One who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And let me encourage you, don't be ashamed to follow him because he has endured the shame for you. He has been mocked and ridiculed for you. He was spat on so that you are not spit on, spat on. And when you are spat upon, you go, my Lord and Saviour, I am not ashamed because you have endured that shame. It is a phenomenal phenomenal act of a God that is all-powerful, all-merciful, all-knowing, ever-present, that has placed these people in charge to come down and to endure this for us. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me, Jesus said on the cross? My God. Well, we know the answer to that. It's so that you and I can have life and to live it to the full. This Easter, make sure that that's the Jesus you are worshipping. Father God, Thank you for all that you've done. Uh, Father, I, to know that the shame that Jesus endured for us at the hands of the ones he not only created but put into these positions of power. Father, it's, it's hard for us to grasp just the fullness of what you have done. Lord Jesus, we thank you. And we just ask this Easter that we will never, never shame, be ashamed of you or who you are and that you will be the centre of everything that we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.